Hello and welcome to Collision Cast, Fender Bender's official podcast, helping collision repair shop operators make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm Paul Hodowanik, staff writer for Fender Bender, and we have a great, great episode for you today. Digital multimedia editor Noah Brown chatted with industry veter- veteran Chris Chesney at our recent Adapt Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, and they have a great discussion about why you, as a shop owner, shouldn't be worried about the future and the technology that is coming. I'll let Noah do the full interview and intro, and if you'll notice, this was featured on our Adapt podcast, you'll hear their music, and Noah do the intro, which highlights uh, every everything in new vehicle tech. So if that is an interesting subject to you, make sure you check out the Adapt podcast. There is a link in the for the podcast in our podcast description below. Hey everyone, and welcome into the Adapt Podcast. I'm digital multimedia editor Noah Brown. It's hard to believe it, but the inaugural Adapt Automotive Technology Summit is in the books, and we've reached our final day of show floor coverage. We're wrapping things up with the speaker who closed out the summit last Tuesday. Chris Chesney has been in the industry for 50 years and left attendees at the conference with a message of optimism that the aftermarket will still be a vital part of the automotive space for decades to come. leave them with a massive message of encouragement Um, there's so much fear being used by the politicians uh, in some cases regulators with respect to we've got to move to electrification immediately to save the planet Uh, it's not possible Uh, number one number two is at the end of the day the data supports what my message gave and that is Uh, This is going to happen. It's going to take a long period of time for it to scale, number one. Number two, it's going to take a long time for it to kind of become the predominant technology. And when it does, it's going to be kind of spotty. It's going to be demographic-based. You'll see certain areas of the country that adopt it rapidly uh, and become early adopters. So you'll see, like California, will come to scale um, 17% of VIO will be electric, you know, in a short period of time. But, I mean, rural Kansas is never going to be electric. It's just not possible, nor is it economically uh, appropriate to do so. So I just wanted to make sure that they knew that their, their business investments that they've made, especially the people in this room, are consolidators. They're in acquisition mode. They're making plans to acquire those that aren't willing to to invest or they're at the end of their careers and they want to they want to leave and so these people that are making those acquisitions want that confidence that okay I'm going to spend you know a couple million dollars on standing this thing up am I going to get paid back and you know that the runway needs to be long enough for them to do so so that was the goal. And you mentioned it in your presentation that 2030 is kind of that that year that politicians have decided is the year. Um, But the data that you showed, um, if 50% of EV sales are, uh, uh, or 50% of all car sales are EVs by 2030, that still only means about, what was it, about 4%? About 8%. About 8% of vehicles on the roads will be EVs, meaning that 92% are yeah, right, roughly around there, will still be ice vehicles. So shops don't need to worry just yet. 
No, they don't need to worry. At the same time, I don't want to. I don't want them to get complacent. Um, I mean, I didn't spend a lot of time on the last slides, but at the end of the day, we've been very complacent and disciplined uh, in the way we service vehicles and following OE procedures or process. And not necessarily just the OE process. You heard from the OEMs this week that they're constantly modifying their processes to make them more efficient, to make them more accurate. So using the OEM as kind of the gold standard or your foundation to base your, your flow and, and process off of makes sense. Uh, you can find efficiencies in that, um, but you don't want to skip critical steps. And how do you know what those critical steps are unless you refer back to the OEM uh, content? So it's just making sure that they understand that they have time to put those processes and, and hold people accountable, uh, put those processes in place and, and put accountability in place so that uh, they're prepared for that more advanced technology to, to be their everyday job. Uh, when oil changes, you know, the oil change guys in the back of the room are probably going, oh, crap, what am I going to do? Well, you've got time to, to stand up other verticals, other, other revenue streams. Uh, they call me all the time because I did, I've done a lot of business with these folks, and they're good people. Uh, but uh, oil change facilities are going to consolidate, but there's going to be a need for them for, gosh, at least 40 years or 50 years because those cars are still going to be on the road. We hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. If you are, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to the Adapt Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to check out the latest news on emerging trends and technologies on adaptautomotive.com. Now, back to the interview. So basically, people need to start working on this now so that when it does become necessary in 20, 30, 40 years, however long it takes, they'll be good to go. Yeah, and examples of that are uh, when we move from tailpipe emissions to transient emissions. Um, there was a huge fear in the industry that I couldn't fix the car. I'd need a chassis dyno to, to know whether it's fixed or not. And... So they waited until the new test was in place to, to make those changes in the way they diagnosed a vehicle and understood uh, whether it was fixed or not. And uh, education solved that quickly, but they were behind the curve right out of the gate when something like an emissions program that starts right now and is reality uh, comes into play. Well, this is not going to be a reality right away, but it's going to scale in some parts of the country rapidly. And some of these guys are going to be faced with a large number of those advanced technology opportunities, they better have their, their team ready, they better have accountability ready, they better have workflow ready, or they're going to struggle making any kind of profit on the, on the services. So it's just, you know, there's time to prepare. Uh, it's not time to, to react quickly. I, I'm not telling them to go home tomorrow and, and go buy ATIS technology out the gate, start doing your research. You can do research over the next couple of years and you'll be fine. There's some new opportunities coming that I can't share with you yet that will change the way this operates or give them a choice that's significantly less uh, cost of entry uh, and significantly less uh, risk in liability. And those are two of the areas that you heard the questions. You that those are two things that were scaring them. Three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to stand up a center. Now, who's going to take the risk? Uh, those types of things can be mitigated by different service models, and those are coming. 
Um, so be take the time to, to do your due diligence, do some research, attend events like this, get involved, uh, keep your ears open to announcements by the companies that support events like this, and it'll become pretty clear when the right time for you to get in is just based on your model and your, your demographics and, and what you hear. So taking a step back, last question here. Just in general, how do you think the conference went and how important is it for shop owners, managers, industry stakeholders to be a part of events such as this? Well, I, I really commend you for for being uh, uh, determined to, to get this thing uh, uh, held. Uh, it took us three three schedules to get done, a couple of years to get this thing pulled together. It's been a long time coming. It has, and and I know you guys have uh, been frustrated, as has uh, the industry, myself included, those that were here, I'm sure. Um, it, it's hypercritical that those that want to succeed in the industry, especially with respect to technology-based services, get engaged in events like this and other training events. Uh, get engaged in uh, Society of Automotive Engineers, get engaged in NASTEF, uh, National Automotive Service Task Force, get engaged in uh, the Equipment and Tool Institute. Those um, organizations that, like ACA, that are looking out for their best interests and trying to uh, run lead on keeping the OEMs focused on servicing the aftermarket. Um, I mean, there's some people that were here, the after, the OEMs that were here, great people. I mean, they're just wonderful people. They're just every bit uh, as awesome as the aftermarket leaders are. Uh, and But they have bosses that, that, you know, are trying to turn a profit, and they have a reason for that. Uh, it's America. I mean, it's capitalism. Uh, so if they had their way, they would not service any of us. But they have to because the consumer has choice. Uh, so it's getting uh, to know your local dealer, I think, would be something that would be important for them to do because that, that relationship that they have at the parts and service department uh, at the dealer level, uh, not necessarily that they need to buy all their parts there, but um, it's knowing them so that when the time comes that the OEMs open up access to the aftermarket seeking our help, to scale their operations so that they can serve all the people that they're selling vehicles to because they admit they can't do it. Uh, and in many cases, the new startups don't want to do it. They don't want to have anything to do with service. Uh, we need to create those, those relationships. So coming to events like this help you do that because they're here. And you just need to don't go hide in the restaurant when it's break time. Go talk to the suppliers and go talk to those OEMs and speakers that are here and just have a conversation with them. They're just human beings like the rest of us. They just chose a job with somebody that, that we don't happen to work for. And those relationships will pay off at the end of the day. And that'll do it for us here on the ADAPT podcast. Thanks so much for joining us and for making the ADAPT Automotive Technology Summit such a resounding success. I'm Noah Brown, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.